Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and... We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. And, you know, 2022, I don't know how I got so lucky, but the guests that are honoring us with their time are amazing. Today, no exception. Mary Jurich, she is a CEO, an author, holistic career advancement strategist for women. It's a mouthful, but give a listen because you're going to see there's so much more and how she got there. So I can't wait to hear. With that, I say thank you, thank you, thank you, and welcome, Mary. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm so honored to be here and have the opportunity to serve and share time with your audience. So I never take it for granted when I have an opportunity to, to share the knowledge and stories of, of my journey. So normally I always do start out with, um, tell us about you anywhere you want to start, but I do hope that you touch on this very exciting time that you're in the middle of, and that is with your new book that has been recently launched. And I love, you had me at the title, God's Not Done With You. But you'll get to that somewhere in our convo, I know. So tell us about you anywhere you'd like to start. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that, Stephanie, because the truth is, is what the path that I'm on now, it really found me. I didn't choose it. And sometimes I think in life where we're taught that we have to have everything figured out, especially by the time we're graduating high school, where are you going to college? What are you going to school for? And it, it feels like all of this pressure. And I'm just so grateful that those moments are not the most defining moments of our entire lives, because at that point in time, Stephanie, I didn't actually believe in myself. Um, I thought I was quite unintelligent. I grew up in a small country town. I graduated middle, lower middle of the class. And my mom had preached going to college because my dad and her, they didn't go to college. And so they knew the struggles of trying to raise four children on a very tight budget. Uh, Finances were very, very tight. I, I 
very clearly can remember the struggles that we had, but we always had love and we always had a roof over our head and we always had something to eat, even if it's not what we chose. So grateful, grateful for um, all the hard work that they ever did. But my mom was always just like, you got to, got to go to college. And I was like, well, yeah, maybe my other siblings, cause they're really smart. Uh, but not me. I'm, I'm not the smart one. I, I was the one that started struggling with spelling and reading and writing when I was six years old in the first grade. And I would continue that struggle all the way through school. And I mean, it was crazy to me because I, I couldn't grasp these things. And so I just thought, well, I'm going to be a masseuse because I, I could avoid college this way. And, you know, others kind of agreed with me. They helped me fill out the applications. I had reference letters written and then I, I took this trip to Las Vegas. I babysat for this, this family and because we could never fly on airplanes or go on trips to Las Vegas. We, we would take a trip to the beach most summers. That was that was our trip. Um, early on in life, we would even be camping at the beach. And <laughs> we, my family still goes there. But anyway, so we would get we went to Las Vegas. And I don't know if it was the lights, the glitz or the glam. But in that moment, I had an inspiration that, and I knew like, I'm like, I'm supposed to run one of these hotels in Las Vegas. And this is not logical. This does not make any sense. Here I am believing I can't even go to college. And I'm like, I'm going to run one of these hotels. Not I'm going to work in one of the hotels, not I'm going to live in Vegas, but I am going to run the hotel. So I get back home and I tell my mom, I'm going to run the hotel in Las Vegas. And she tells me, she's like, okay. She calls the Hilton and she figures out, you know, go to Cornell if you could afford it. If not, go to Penn State because they have the best programs. And I took a couple puddle jumps and ended up graduating from Penn State with my hotel restaurant management degree. But, you know, that power of belief is so important because when we're not believing in ourselves, we won't take the actions required to, to get to the, the success that we're actually capable of. And I think that's the thing, Stephanie, is most often what holds us back in life is not believing that we're capable of something. Because when we have like really low belief, we, we just won't even try. Like it, it's, it's like me, I'm not even going to try to go to college. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, I would still continue to have these self-limiting beliefs of, you know, you're not smart, you're not intelligent. So I would just try to work really, really hard because I'm like, I'd sit in the front of the class, like <laughs> do whatever I could, right? And once I got to work, it was like, I got this taste of success and it, it kind of filled this void inside of me. And I, I don't know where this void was coming from, but at the time I didn't know what the void was coming from, but I would just try to fill it because I kind of felt empty inside. I, I had a hyper awareness of everything going on around me. And so whether it was men or alcohol or trying to achieve things at work, I was just trying to fill this void inside, but it never worked. I could never fill that void. There was never enough achievement. Like it was like this constant rat race game that I was playing. And, you know, often I find myself depressed at times and not just not in healthy relationships. Nothing was really going great except for my career. So that was kind of the thing I like held on to, but even then I was making some bad choices. You can't see these things when you're, when you're in the moment, when you're, when you're moving forward, we don't know them looking ahead. We can only see them when we turn behind how things are working out for our good. And so today I'm at a completely different place because when I was 35 years old, I had the opportunity to hear Dr. Bruce Lipton speak and it changed my life forever. I did not understand our, we had subconscious programming and the conscious mind. And I didn't understand that, you know, the things that we saw and experienced from the age, you know, from birth to age seven, really creating programs in our life 
that determined what we were capable of. And at that moment, when I heard him speaking, tears were rolling down my face. And I'm just like, okay, I can read and write and spell because I still had this in my head that I wasn't intelligent. And it held me back from applying for certain types of jobs, posting even on social media. Like I wasn't going to start a blog. I wasn't, no, don't, don't even. I remember the first time, you know, somebody asked me to, the doctor I was working for at the time, he asked me to proofread something. And I was like, <laughs> like, like, no, no, no. Are you I'm, sure? the, I'm the kid that had the spell checker things. Like before we had phones with the, with the spell check, I was the kid with the weird machine. I had the games. I had the worksheets. I had the tutors. Like we tried everything. It was maddening my poor mother, but you know, it, but these things hold us back because we think I had this perception I needed to be perfect. And so when Bruce was saying this, and um, I should call him Dr. Lipton, but I just feel like he's like my friend, right? Go ahead. He changed my life. You're closer, right? (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's like at that moment, I just decided, kind of like when I was in Las Vegas, I'm like, okay, I could read and write and spell. Like, I'm going to do it. And it, it was a life changing moment. And that was back in 2019. At the same time, Other things were kind of transpiring in my world and everything was kind of opening up for me at this whole other level. And so at the same time, I was in an executive role at the company I worked for before doing this full-time, my own company full-time. And we were redoing our learning course. And so for two years, I was studying, like I was looking up all kinds of information. I was on calls with everybody. I was getting every demo. I was learning everything I could about how people learn because I wanted our clients to be super successful. And I'm like, we have to have a higher success rate than anybody else because we work with functional medicine doctors and they taught people how to take back their health, right? And I just felt like that was that's the best gift you could have in the world is your health. So I was so dedicated to this and I came across this video and it was talking about how if you're, when you're young, if you have, or anytime really, if you have a trauma that's created, fear in your life, it can block your learning. And I was molested at the age of six. And so in that moment, I'm just like, okay, that's what happened, right? Like I'm really capable of reading and writing and spelling. I can do this thing. It really is because I had this trauma and, you know, I thought that I had kind of was over this trauma and it was, what had happened was, you know, I just kind of like stuffed it away because it wasn't affecting my my everyday life. I wasn't living near this person. I kind of resolved it to, well, they weren't that much older than me. They, they you know, they were probably a victim, right? So I wasn't like Yeah, sadly, the, that's the, that's the pattern. Yeah. 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 But, but still the, the problem is though, Stephanie, although like intellectually I had processed it, the shame and the guilt were so heavy and strong in my life that it was holding me down. And I took on perfectionism. And as I look back, I could see why I was trying to fill all these voids and these holes because I just had put walls up all around me that I didn't even know I put up, but I'm just like, protection. Nobody you, were get protect- close to me. you were protecting yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so this made me like often a critical person because I needed to figure out what was wrong with you because you couldn't figure out anything wrong with me. And so I was taking on all of these bad habits and things that I wasn't even aware of it. But I heard this beautiful woman, uh, Teresa Scanlon speak 
she was Miss USA, I think 2011, she was speaking at a John Maxwell conference and she shared a story of domestic violence. And I went up to her after that conference and I just said, Teresa, you're so brave uh, for telling your story. And she said, um, he's like, yeah. And I told her what had happened to me. And she said, Mary, one day you might need to share your story. And I'm like, well, I can't, I haven't even told my parents, like, how can I go tell the world? I, I was going to, I was going to ask, I mean, the fact that you, you said that you've come to terms, but it took a while. I know. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's interesting because I've had some really great mentors and guides through this process. People really coming alongside of me since I've shared what's happened in my parents. They were very receptive. My heart was beating out of my chest when I told them and very nerve wracking, but that was really the beginning of my healing journey because I didn't have to, I, I could be me now. And what I realized through that Stephanie though, was that, um, I didn't actually love myself. And it was, it was interesting because what we don't have, we can't give. And here I am a wife and a mother and a leader. And like on a level, I really do love all these people. But what I found is I couldn't love them unconditionally. I could only love them conditionally the same way I was loving myself, which is why achievement was so important. And when I couldn't measure up, all right, I would set these crazy things out there. And then when I couldn't measure up, it was like, oh, you're a failure. You're this, you're this and that. You were and, validating, you yeah. were validating your lifelong belief. Yeah. And so through this, through this journey though, I, the beliefs were starting to change. And that's the, that's the thing. When our beliefs start to change, when we start to realize like, oh, everybody hasn't been like thinking about me like this, right? All these thoughts could get like filtered out. And now I could just start to be who I am. And now I could start to figure out who I am authentically. And, you know, I set this goal a couple of years ago just to have Jesus at the center of my life and deep in my heart. And through that, like that was the best goal I've ever set in my life. Because before that, I was just kind of teaching God like a, like a check mark. Right. And we only, we only even met back in 2009. And, you know, so I never had really renewed my mind and I knew how I felt when I was first saved, but then I wasn't really feeling anything. And I'm like, what the heck? But through just, you know, meditation, meditating with God and, and reading my Bible, it takes like time. It takes time. Like we want things to happen like so fast and they can, but we know that the reprogramming takes time. And that's where I, I really love the way that, you know, the science and the energy and the Bible kind of all line up together because it can, it can just give you this deeper sense of knowing and deeper sense of belief of, Hey, this is, this is the way to go. And so through this process, I understood God's love for me where I used to think he was judging me and condemning me and like all of these things. And once I knew his love, I now knew my value was, you know, because those were probably honestly your thoughts and yours alone. And obviously from, you know, we're all guilty of, wow, that sounds pretty shitty lady, but that's what you think about yourself. Isn't that crazy? And meanwhile, on the surface, because we do surface work so well, and wow, look at her, and she's so successful, and she's driven, and and I'm sure in the perfectionism, of, and I don't know you, and uh, I, I won't assume, but I can tell me if I'm on track as far as, you know, wife, mother, let me be the best out there, and let me keep moving. Because if I stop, then it gets a little quiet. Then I got to look at me again. So let's just 
Let's just keep busy. Busy is good, isn't it? Yes. Learning to rest is has been one of the most challenging things for me. It's the um, hardest thing for anybody. Yeah. For it's anybody. A, yeah. It's incredibly challenging. But I think when you realize like you're you're not, you can't determine every outcome. You can't control everything. Like you think you can control everything, but you can't. But the things that we can control, often we don't know we can control. Like I used to not understand that you could control your thoughts. Like, like we, we are the only species we can control our thoughts. It's at the highest level, you know, that we, we, God gave us this level of thinking and we get a choice. And, you know, for so long, I lived in that victim mentality. And even today, if I'm not careful, I could fall into that victim mentality. Like we just, um, we sold our house during COVID and then we couldn't find one. We couldn't find one. We've been in two rentals. We've moved three times in oh my two goodness. years. Yeah. And yeah. we just got told that we were going to be able to renew and now we can't renew. So we have to, we have to leave again. And housing prices are crazy here in Texas and it's just nuts. But I'm like, okay, like the right thing is going to happen that we're, we're being moved to a better place. Like mm-hmm. this is bigger and better right yeah. reasons. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where we're going or how we're getting there, but you know, we just got to take the steps in that. But before I would have been like, oh my gosh, these people like da, 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 da. And I had a little bit of that, like true, true transparency here. I had a little bit of that. I even thought of like, oh, Mary, you probably should have like been planning. You shouldn't have been waiting for the 45 day notice. You should have been like, hey, what do we want to do? And I think sometimes we don't realize that we're actually in control of our lives to say, hey, what do we want to do? And so that's with the book that I wrote, God's Not Done With You. When I first started to write this book, I started to write it for women in to advance in their careers because I had, I'd switched industries. I went from the restaurant industry. I went into working for a wellness center. So now like in the medical field, I guess you could say it was interesting because even then I'm like, they're not going to want to hire me. All my experience is over here. And my husband's like, get a job outside of the restaurant industry. Like if, if I look at my track record, I was a successful restaurant manager. I was working with over 30 corporate fortune 500 brands. I had a great deal of experience. You have a good track record. <laughs> yeah. It's really a decent resume. And yet. Yeah. You know, here yeah. here I was doing trainings in these large organizations. And, and I'm like, well, no, no one's going to want to hire me. But God really had me because when I moved into this other organization, I started off as this front office assistant. But what I didn't know is that the doctor was going to be starting another business. And. And so, you know, I, I quickly, things started to turn around. It, it, it quickly turned around, but there was a point when I was working there where I got stuck in my career. And it, once again, I wasn't believing in myself. My husband was telling me like, Mary, you should be an executive. And I'm like, no, 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 not me. Like this, this mistake and that mistake, that's why. And you know, not, not realizing like you were named team member of the year. You have the largest and most successful coaching load. Like I don't know. You help start the business. Like maybe those would be qualifications. But for me, my manager wasn't approaching me for the position. When an opening came up, I was asked to put an ad out. And that's what I did. Ah, let's find someone else. And, you know, kind of like what you do, but yeah, we'll, we'll hire the random. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I was realizing I, I did have to do a, you know, training with these people. I would train the person that would come in and they, you know, they had really great qualities. They were wonderful. I was so blessed to work with them. But one day I was at a leadership meeting and I just stood up from that meeting and I said, 
I'm going to be the next chief operating officer at this company. And I told that to the then chief operating officer. And they're like, you should do that. And so I thought, Stephanie, like 10 years, right? Like, okay, I've got the belief. We're good. Feeling the high. 10 years. Three months later, the position opens up. And, and so now I'm like, well, I got to go into my boss's office and ask him for the position because I don't want to wait for him to come to my office and say, hey, can we put this ad out? So, or who do you think we should hire for this? So I wanted to, you know, I needed, I needed, I knew I needed to go down that hallway and, and ask and have that conversation. And when I asked him for the position, I was told, well, you're going to have to do the job before you could get the pay and the title. And I was like, drives okay. me crazy. Ugh, just, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure there's a, a collective scream from most of the listeners out there. Because if you've been in the game a while, and I've I've been in the game a a long time, not the first time you hear that, which is total bullshit. And let's just keep, because honestly, I really don't think men ever hear that. And I have such a problem with that, but go on. So your reaction is. I was was thinking about the, all the extra nights I worked, all the mornings, all the missed lunches, you know, all the times I missed family dinner, all the weekends I worked. I never actually saw my son have a piano recital because I was working and I wasn't setting my boundaries the way I needed to, but I didn't know at that time because right. I was working hard. I was doing what they said. I wanted to climb the corporate ladder. I was still in this place of, I want to be successful. So it was head down. That's why I tell my husband, I'm going to work hard. They're going to notice me. This will work. I'm going to work hard. You know, I get on strategic projects. I'm going to work hard. They'll, they'll notice it. You know, I did have the, the support of the founder, but I was trying to lead. One woman's like, I don't want a woman manager. Like, no. <laughs> and so anyways, I was at work one day on my day off when my husband calls me and he says, sorry, hey. on my day off. On my day off. Yeah, oh, that I'm worked at work on my, on my day off. off. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I, see. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I heard that correctly. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Right. That's exactly <laughs> it. On my day off, I'm at work trying to figure this out because, you know, I've been at this for a couple months. I really want to lead the team. I have a vision. I just haven't been able to like communicate it in a way that has landed yet. And my husband calls me and he's like, Mary, I, I think my company's going in a different direction. I'm going to be out of my job. And so I'm like, okay, my husband, the breadwinner, is going to lose his job. I can't earn a promotion. We just had our fourth child. <laughs> like, But in that moment, God spoke to me and he said, Mary, make a plan. And I think we all get ideas. We all get inspiration. Things come into our mind. And I think that's one of the most important things we can do is act on that inspiration that we get. But if we're not careful, we'll talk ourselves out of it before we even get very started. quickly, very, very yeah. quickly. And yep. and all internally without even bouncing it off of someone to say, eh, I don't know about that. You've already written the story, the beginning, the middle and the end, chucked it to like, oh, God, that's a bad idea. That will never work. And off it goes. And where, nope. where did we even get that anyway, Stephanie? We can only nope. do things if it works 100% of the time. Like, Well, I don't know if it's, a, is it a human thing? You know, because again, we're all, I'll say raised differently, but it's a whole belief. And is it early educate? Is it the way that maybe people of a certain age, I'm 60. So, you know, in school, everything had to be correct and perfect and this and that. And my son, who's going to be 26, when he was like in kindergarten and they started, I don't know, 
different types of teaching as opposed to, can't you just add and do multiplication? I mean, this is foundation of, you need math, damn it. But, you know, he would like, I'm like, buddy, you know, that answer is wrong. And he's like, oh, you know, well, you know, crisscross applesauce. I'm like, no, how about erase it and write the right write the right answer, man. Come on. You got to know, you got to know this. This is, this is, you need this for life. Like the life isn't crisscross. Just, you got to do this. And so kids today, and, and is it the, the X, the Y, the Z gen, they've got a great advantage because I think they are, everyone is much more open. The conversation is open to questioning and it's no longer well this is how you do it because we've always done it that way and I think people are being recognized for different ways of learning like you clearly needed to learn a different way my daughter needed to learn a different way everyone can learn where's their superpower you know it might not have been reading but if you just sat in the class and listened to what was going on you probably would have, you know what I mean? But then you distract that to, I've got to look at the board and there's my disconnect. Like everybody can learn, but nobody, no two people learn the same way. Yeah. And I think we just were raised where everything is so important too. Right. And I know I was parenting this way at one time. It's of like, course. Like you've got to have good grades. Like that's really yep. important. But that's it's your like, one job. I, right. I realized it's job. like, mm-hmm. well, no, like have good grades, but if there's some subjects you're just not getting, that's okay. Like, it's okay. Like, like, let's not, let's not, Yeah. the world's not going to crumble down around us. Like you're going to be fine. Like, right. Like what's the real, right. If you struggle like, with math, you're not going to be right. You're not going to be a physicist. You're not going to be a mathematician. Don't worry about it. But, but if you really like things. this shine in that area, it's, it's not that hard. Yeah. So God gave me this plan. He downloaded this to me and I was obedient to take action in it. And a few weeks later I turned it in, didn't know if it would work or not, but I just thought, Hey, let me, let me lay out my my vision very clearly for the company. What I feel like we need to do, where we need to go, how we need to do things, why we need to do things. Let me put this all out on paper. And I did. And my boss came to my office and he's like, this is so impressive. When are we talking about this? And I'm like, tomorrow tomorrow. And that day I was made vice president of operations, another plan. And another year later, I'd go on to be made chief operating officer. Plans work so well for implementing. I'm just like, Hey, I'm going to make another one. And I did. And that's when I became a partner, still a partner with them today, was told to start my own company, the company I have today, and was told I was on track to be CEO. So what I've learned through this process is a few things. And that's why I wanted to share it in my book. I have an online course for it. We have the My Promotion Plan Experience course where we teach people how to go through this. And we, we made it really accessible for people because we really want to help a lot of people. Because what I've learned that I didn't know then is that there were unconscious biases that were affecting my ability to advance. And what happens is we don't realize, like I didn't realize that there were unconscious biases that people have towards women, towards mothers. And it just, it affects us in different ways. And what happens is we start to have self-doubt and that's where I was. I was in this self-doubt pool thinking I'm not capable when the truth was, is I just didn't clearly show my vision, which is really important because when we know about performance bias, attribution bias, these things are really important for us to be able to share very clearly. 
And so in the book, the third part of the book is shows you how to put together the entire promotion planning process that I use that helped take me from stuck up to a partner. I started teaching other people how to use it too. And these were people that couldn't get raises or promotions in the past. And now they were earning raises and promotions bigger than they ever had before. And what was so unique about the process is that there weren't current openings. Their boss wasn't approaching them. And sometimes the positions didn't even exist within the organization. But they created them. Yep. But these people would have never been approached for this advancement that you have to. And see, we, we think, well, wait, wait and be noticed. And that's a, that's a thing that we hear a lot out there. Work hard, wait and be noticed. And it's like, I did that game for a while and it never, this, this reproduced like, I don't know, 20 times the results of that. Like, I'm not going to say I didn't get a promotion or raise right. without sure. just working hard in the past. Correct. Exponentially. I was going to say it was average, right? It, you went from what you would, oh, you know, here's your annual review. You know, here are your strengths. We want to, you know, this is this year's projects we'd like you to take on versus, yeah, I, I'm thinking bigger. And and I want to take a minute here to say uh, kudos to uh, the owners of the company, your bosses, for really, you know, it, they sound as though, obviously, smart business people that saw a really good plan, realized, obviously, which they knew, wow, what a good employee, and how can, if, if this is what she came up with this, imagine, you know, if we keep cultivating her and, and growing her, and and that is, it's a rarity. My daytime thing, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an HR director for a very, very, it's a small company, but it's given me, like, just so much insight, and I always tell everybody, I'm like, listen, guys, you know, you could, you know, be the most dependable employee, the the go-to, the this, the that. I'm like, these guys don't wake up in the morning thinking about you. They don't. So if you want something and you know that, you know, here's what I I do this, 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 and let remind remind you, you know, this, and, and here's the value I bring to the table. People have to be reminded, but it's not a knock on an owner or a business owner or a boss. There's so much that they're thinking about and that they have going on that, you know, maybe they do think about, or maybe they don't have to think about, you know, again, reviews or raises until a certain point in the year. And instead they've got all these other deadlines and projects. So you have to, I always say the squeaky wheel gets the oil and you have to ask. If you don't ask, that's a hundred percent no. Done. You're like you, you've sealed the deal. Oh, that's a no because you didn't ask. If you ask, you, you've just increased your odds by 50%. Now, there's a 50% chance that it's still going to be a no. But at least you know you went, you tried, maybe you regroup, maybe you come back, maybe you listen to some, you know, some ideas slash criticism slash whatever to or it could have been that yes for anything. Exactly. And, and you're so right, Stephanie, uh, with everything that you said. And that's so unique that you have that that HR background because because you see it. You're 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 in <laughs> it, right? It. And I, I think that's kind it. of the, the there's three perspectives when it comes to career advancement strategists. There's the HR piece and people that have worked at HR, so they see all the different people, the things. Then there's the experiencing it yourself, and then there's the coaching it. And so one thing that I bring to the table is I really have all of those because I've worked at small businesses and 
I've worked in restaurants. I was HR. I was the HR department doing these things as well as, you know, I've learned how to advance through my own career and that I've helped to successfully coach others. And I just think that's really important if people are looking for somebody to say, hey, I, I, you know, maybe I need somebody to guide me in my career. And this is the other thing I see, Stephanie, is people don't want to ask for help when it comes to this because we just think that we should know how to do it. So we're like, but nobody ever taught us how to advance in our careers. Nobody ever taught me that there were these biases out there. And you were right when you said, it sounds like you have, you know, great, great, they're partners now, great partners. They are, they are great. They're wonderful. Especially the founder. Like he's one of my best mentors. We go to, we go to dinner, you know, once a month and he he's so supportive of everything I'm doing. We actually put like the promotion planning system I put together. That was the system that was put into place at our organization. That's how people ask for promotions, promotions and raises because now that it actually adds value back to the company. Cause usually someone's just going in and it's just open-handed and it's like, what's in it for me? Correct. I, I, I've about, been here for a year. Yeah. You talk about past accomplishments and it's like, well, that's great. And that doesn't help them see you in the future. Correct. And so I think you really need both. And so we do teach you how to put your accomplishments together, but you also want to put that vision together for the future because that's really important to be able to succeed. But it all comes back to believing in yourself first, because if you don't believe that it's possible, if I didn't believe that it was possible, then I would have never walked in to his office and asked for that position. I would have never been on the, the track that I am. The same way if I didn't have that new belief in being able to write the book, I would have never start started to write the book. And, you know, the book, it, it really ties multiple things together because I feel like for us to make a difference with women's career advancement, we really need more than just the plan itself. The plan is amazing. It will get you the results. But the first thing you have to do is you have to believe in yourself. And I found that there after I, you know, when I share what I do, people share so many stories with me of how they undervalued themselves. They, they were a mom and they went back into the workplace. So they took a really low pay or they got divorced. So they took a pay that just covered their expenses. Or, you know, I was coaching one woman late recently and, you know, we just, she was, she just wanted to increase her pay, you know, by five grand more than what she was making before when she was moving into a new position. Well, okay, that's, that's great, but that doesn't really tell us what the market value is. And what the stats show us is that there's a parity in pay. So for every dollar a man earns, a woman's earning, it's now 82 cents, right? So we earn 18% less. And as a minority woman, it's even less. It is. Yep. Yep. Oddly enough, Asians get get paid the most as women. But here's the thing. We can be in control of this. We don't have to play the victim. We don't have to say they haven't noticed us. They We're waiting. Like we actually can take control of this. And so in the book, I have three parts to it. The first part is, you know, it's like a brief history, right? We need to understand why is career advancement broken, right? You didn't, you never got a class on career advancement. You never, you never, you never got this. You just thought it was going to happen. You just get a job and it happens, but it's different at every company. For one, most companies don't have a standard way to advance people. And then if, you're a man or a woman, it's different for you. It's so it's like there's, there's all, all different. these challenges. Yeah. Do you find that it's difficult? And I don't know if you've ever were in a position that if your, I'll say, direct boss is perhaps someone that you don't get along with, 
you know, so you, you might find yourself in that situation of, you know, my goodness, I work for, you know, a devil or a she devil. How can I get around that person for someone to hear me? Is there, have you had that experience or any advice on that? Yeah, I have definitely had that experience. I've had some of those, those bosses, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. definitely had, there are bad bosses. Listen, there are bad boys. There's, there's, there's people out there that I, I, when my kids were small, I would always say that, you know, there's, what was it? Um, probably nothing that a mother should be saying to their kids, but I probably said, you know, like, listen, there are a lot of assholes in the world and, you know, you're going to be coached by them. You might be taught by them. You might have to work for them and you have to learn early on how to work with them. You do because they're, they're all around us. So. <laughs> well, that's going to happen. And especially if you're high achieving, people think differently, right? Like people are in their heads. Some people feel threatened if you're doing great things. So it's, it's not to say that's why they're, they're, they're mean towards you, but if you're doing a great job and you know that you are, you've really put your best foot forward and you're getting results within the organization. I recommend this, even if you don't have a bad boss, but go up a level. So when you turn your plan in, turn in one to your boss and turn in one to the person above that, because now you've got eyes on you from Mm -hmm. both levels to say, hey, look at the ideas. Now you've got two people looking at the ideas instead of just one, because one person may be like, well, this is really amazing, where the other one would have been like, let me throw this over here. Right. Because right. we don't want anyone to see like, this. Like, oh, these are good that. ideas. Let me share them, you know, coming out of my mouth. And that's also happened where you're sitting in a meeting and you're like, I'm sorry, I told you that. Oh, and then I think we should. And then, of course, you want to run that person over in the parking lot. But <laughs> that's just me, not you. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> it happens. But that's, you know, honestly, that's like the plan. It does all the hard work of negotiation for you, it gets to you ownership. Because that that does happen, Stephanie. People will bring up great ideas. I've been in meetings, and like literally, two minutes later, somebody else says the same idea, and they're like, "Well, didn't she just say that?" Like, right. Yeah. Oh, that, that that's such a it's such out. a good point of who <laughs> hears what. Yeah. Well, I, you know what people are. It's it's any workplace, and it's any place you have a group and with, you know, different opinions and different, sometimes different agendas. Yeah. That is so interesting. Why we don't want to focus on what's wrong with the system. I love working with business owners that want to have better cultures because the high performance culture, it just has certain systems in it that allows people to operate within those systems, to feel fulfilled at work, to feel appreciated, to feel valued, to have good communication. And it increases, you know, efficiency, it increases engagement, it lowers turnover. So it it makes sense to be a good boss and, and create a good culture. But, you know, trying to make the system fair, it's like one of the hardest battles to face, because that's what's so interesting about this space of, you know, parity, whatever it in jobs, and in pay is that whenever awareness is brought into diversity, equity and inclusion, what they found is most often it actually has a negative effect on the company. It actually gets worse where in every other instance, when something is brought to awareness, it actually improves. And the reason this is, is because people want to be more like their in-groups. So if they find out that, hey, men typically act this way, then they're like, oh, I want to be more like my in-group. So you have to really have a stance to say, hey, 
I care about this. You have to set your ego aside. You have to know you have an ego. So many people don't even know you have an ego. Yeah, yeah. We have to set our egos aside and say like, hey, I'm going to go in. I'm going to take a good hard look at this. And I'm going to make sure we get things fixed. And companies like Salesforce and Best Buy, you know, they're out there. They're doing it. They're doing the hard work and they're making it right. Uh, We just saw the women's soccer team get fair pay. And so it's happening. I mean, even the issues with the Supreme Court and women being interrupted, you know, it's being brought to light. And as long as people say, hey, this isn't an attack, because that's how it can sometimes feel whenever we're bringing these things up. It feels like an attack. And so I think if you're, you know, a woman listening to this, or even a man, you want to advance in your career, this is the number one best way to advance because it gets you seen. It gets you seen in such a positive life, so much better than somebody just going in there with their their hands empty. It helps them to see you in this future role. It does the negotiation for you. It teaches you, you know, how to find your worth. I was sharing with you that person that just wanted to earn a little bit more before that I was coaching. Well, after teaching her how to find her true market value, she ended up making 20 grand more plus a 15% raise. That's what she got. But wow. Without knowing your worth, you won't do yeah. that. And that was a problem I had before, not knowing my worth. It was like, but when you don't know it and you don't know where it comes from and you you, you do what everybody else around you is telling you, well, oh, it'd be good if you got a 5% raise. Well, not if that position should pay you Correct. 15 Correct. grand more. Exactly. And, and, and nine times out of 10, depending on the positions and depending upon, you know, again, if you're that, let me, let me, you just work at a certain level, you know, you work at what I call full ass out versus, you know, half ass or hundred percent or 110, you're just always, you do it. And then, but what I wanted to know, how did writing the book come into your vision, your stratosphere? Like how did that even, because if I'm hearing you correctly, so you're a partner in the business, you have an online training presence whereby you do coaching, you offer courses. I want you to talk about that. And then because you must have more than 24 hours in a day, let's write a book. Yeah. Well, a few things happened that made it, made it a little bit more possible to do that. One, you know, there's people out there like Sheryl Sandberg, Mary Barra. There's so many more that I could list off, but, you know, seeing them, advocate for other women while running their roles made me think I can do this too. And so that really was my vision is, you know, this doesn't need to be my per se main business, but let me, let me help others with what I have been given because I see how well it works for people that were unpromotable people that have undervalued themselves for so long, their lives are being changed you know, I I meet some of their husbands. Sometimes they're like, my wife has so much more confidence in all areas of her life because the program is not just about getting a raise. It's about how to believe in yourself. It's about how to think better. It's it's about understanding who you are, where your value comes from. There's there's so much more to it, but you know, in 2020, I, I started writing the book in January. And at the time, you know, when I first started, you know, COVID wasn't here yet. So I would just get up in the morning at about 5.30 And I just needed to write for about 30 minutes and I would just go into my other stuff. I worked with a great company through writing the book because I knew I was going to need editors of people to help me. There was no way I was going to do this on my own. I wasn't wasn't that proficient in my writing yet. So I have lots lots of good editors and a team to help me with this. And so I just got up every morning and I would just write for 30 minutes or an hour. And then COVID hit. 
And honestly, at that point, things started to change because I do have four children, um, one special needs and one was in daycare at the time. And so daycares were shutting down sometimes. My dad was like, you don't send your son to daycare. I tried that for two weeks and I'm like, he's going back to daycare or this house is not going to function. Because <laughs> my husband, you know, we talked about my husband losing his job before. He was now working for a disinfectant company. Ah, uh, okay. God, God, God kind of knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, if we'll yeah. just not, you know, he could use everything for good. And so that's the thing. We talked about the no's earlier. When you hear a no, you need to know like that, that could be used for your greatest good. That's moving you away from something so you could go to something better. It's not a no because you're not. It's not enough. a personal, right. And which is when that's you know, all your life for how many years that you say that. And believe me, we practice and, and it's pretty well embedded, but it takes, um, and it's just as easy to say, huh, I bet you there's something better out there. Oh, I get this. Where's the lesson? I usually, I would say in my journey, the last 15 years, one of the biggest things I've learned is, yeah, there is something better and just, and your plan, you know, they, what's the saying, you know, make a plan and God laughs. It's, it's very, very true. And then I'll be like, yeah, um, let's, let's see this might, this, there's a reason for this and we don't know it yet. And right now I'm pissed. And right now this really sucks, but this can be a funny story one day. This is going to be a funny story. Yeah. The more we could just trust and have faith, like that it's working out for our greatest good and not see it as a disadvantage, the better off we are. And I just encourage people to just turn around in life and look at things. I know there was a job that I went in for that I wouldn't, didn't even, that would be a terrible job. I don't know why I applied for it, but I didn't get it. And when that happens, we can think bad of ourselves, but it's like, no, you're being moved towards something great. But it's like, now we've got to offer it on a house. Well, it got accepted. So hopefully everything will go yeah, through. Yeah. If it doesn't, it's because we're being moved to something better. I don't know why or how, but instead of like challenging and fighting everything, I just try to stop. But with the writing of the book, I would just get up every day and write. Then the pandemic happened. And so at this time, the whole world was crazy. So I didn't even know how to coach people with careers because I was like, and I honestly, I just, I stopped the marketing at that moment because I'm like, this doesn't make sense, sense. right now. I need to know, I want to be good at telling people, hey, to do this. And what I learned is the plans worked even through COVID. So it was kind of remarkable. Okay. People needed people with great ideas to step up and share what they need to do to make their companies successful, especially during this economic downturn. They need leaders even more. So people did use the plan successfully during COVID. Um, That's and wonderful. Now I see, I call this the other side. I know we still have a ways to go probably, but they work great today as well. You know, so I was just working on this every morning. And then once we got to the editing portion, it took me, I did four months. I wrote my first draft of the book. Oh, wow. God wasn't even in the book. And then you know, God spoke to me again. And he's like, Mary, I'm supposed to be in the book. And I'm like, this is too overwhelming. Like I want, I want top billing, by the way, <laughs> lead with my name. And then <laughs> exactly procrastination, perfectionistic techniques. I'm like, this must be it. You know, I already had fear in writing this book. This must be what I'm going to do. So it never gets published. And my editor, Emily, she's like, you should do that. And I was like, Okay. And that's when I became a co-author to the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I did my best to stay true to God's word. I did everything I could. I got other people to come in and help, you know, do edits and look through things and, you know, just tried to source whatever help I could to make sure that, because I wanted to honor 
honor God for sure. And I know the subjects that I'm talking about, especially when I talk about science and energy and the Bible, like people just are all over the place, but this is what truly helped me. Jesus came in and changed my heart, renewing my mind and heart with the Lord changed my life. And that's the second part of the book. Like I teach you how I did that. And it talks about the power of belief and, and like a system for how you can actually do that. But, you know, and then you get the whole plan in it too. But I couldn't separate, like, I feel like it's really powerful for me. It makes it even more powerful when I can read something in science and then read it. And I know we've covered that a little bit earlier, but it just makes it even more powerful for me when I hear like these studies done on prayer and how effective that is. And then I go to church and the pastor's like, yeah, your prayers aren't lost. They're actually sit in thrones in front of God, like creating an aroma to him. So now I'm like, not only is this powerful, not only did we see Jesus model it and, you know, God is enjoying these prayers. So. Right. No, it, it truly, you know, the power of prayer is, and that, you know, equals and, and calls into play again, people's belief. They, they definitely are tied hand in hand on a previous, on a very early episode early last year, we, because I'm a group every Monday we meet and we're the power of eight based on Lynn McTaggart's book. And there are eight of us and we meet every Monday and we collectively pray. We talk about, you know, who's what's going on with who, and it is nothing short of life-changing, amazing, miraculous, all of that. And sometimes that's the only two hours a week that some people have in their busy life to stop to, we know we're going to, you know, have a gratitude meditation. We know we're just going to, you know, be focused on, on this intention versus life. And it doesn't take much just as, you know, like you wrote a book in four months by with four kids during COVID, you know, while everyone else knew what that was like, and, but you had started your routine here's a half hour, here's an hour. And yeah, and you, and you just kind of built from there. Touching on something that you said early on, and, and I just it brought a little smile to my face was when you went to Vegas and you described your, your upbringing and, and, you know, in your opinion, you know, not the same path perhaps as everyone else was going on, but then like you couldn't explain it, but yet you knew, like, I know that, and that is, you know, the first inclining of the belief coming to you if you hadn't seen it before, but I'm a huge believer in everybody knows, you know, there's something they're destined for more. You get it. You hear it. You, you, it's a nudge. It's a, but then the conversation doesn't get out of your head as we talked about earlier. Of, oh, and who who do I think I am? Like, why would I even want to? And then, and then it's not going to work. Oh my. And, you know, with that, I've learned to say with anything, you know, go and ask for something or try it. If you're alive to talk about it, you're okay. Exactly. I really think there's four steps to creating a belief. So you have that desire, inspiration, and then you commit to it. Then you make a plan. And then you take action on that plan. And that's all that you need to do. If you will do those things, if you look at all the most successful people, that's what they tell you. They'll tell you that that is what you need to do. You just need to take that consistent action because that's who ends up being successful. 
But oftentimes we quit before we get started because one person doesn't like us or somebody says something negative or that little bad thought loop gets in there. And I get it. It can come into me now. I know writing this book was super scary to put it out into the world. I'm like, well, well, Christians accept me. Well, you know, regular businesses accept me because I talk about God. Like there's all these things, but the truth, and that's the thing in you, you have a truth. You have a knowing you have I've had an experience and I know who I was before I did this renewing the mind process I teach, which just happens to have some scientific basis to it that follows biblical principles that I wasn't a calm person. I blew up at my kids. Like I was like a volcano erupting. Like I was not a sound person. I was not authentic. I was one person with my spouse one person with my friends, another person with my team members, another person with my partners. I wasn't authentic because I didn't know who I was. And if we don't know who we are, and if we don't get this belief in ourselves, we're never going to be able to rise out of this because other people can lend you their belief. And that's really great, but you still have to accept it. You have to be at least at a level where you're like, okay, I can accept that belief. If they believe me and I, I accept it. And so if you're listening to this, I believe you can be an executive in your you organization. See that? Absolutely. <laughs> you it, but love, but you got to do that and just take those steps because after I got through the writing part, I had to do the editing part, which was the most challenging part for me. And that took me like a year and a half to finally go through all of the edits and everything. But I would spend Saturdays, I would go to a local restaurant called Expectation. They were amazing. They let me take the corner coveted booth and sit there all day, sometimes eight to 10 hours and edit. And so that's what I would do. I'd work Monday through Friday and then edit on Saturdays. My husband, I just, he's amazing to take care of the kids. And you had, so you definitely, you were committed to that. And again, you, because it would take a longer stretch of time instead of just the snippet of the half hour or hour for when you were writing, you found it. Because you have the same seven days a week that everybody else does. And yes, you, you're busy Monday through Friday. And yeah. It, so you shortened, uh, you, you went from the belief to the commitment. That was the first step. Yeah, belief and, that's, commitment. and that I think when you said it, I'm like, it sounds ah so easy. Hey, there's the answer to life. Everybody. Step one, step two. All you got to do is get to step two. Oh. Okay. All you got to do is get to step two. So, so here's the thing. We have to take the pressure off of ourselves. Okay. God's going to tell us things to do. He's going to share with you things you should be doing. Ask him. If you don't feel like he's telling you get still, you have to be still. You have to stop all the noise. Our world has created noise 24 seven. You got to get still. So get still and ask him what you should do. You can like, I never understood pray without ceasing until recently because just, but it took me years of like, praying and reading the Bible and understanding things. So it's a journey. So you can't think like, I'm going to have this all figured out tomorrow. You're not, I'm still, I'm a baby on the journey. I still <laughs> say, right. I've come so far. I've got further way further than I was, but I'm still a baby, but God will tell us to do things. We have to be obedient and doing them. Recently, he told me to sign up to speak at this John Maxwell conference. I'm part of the John Maxwell team. And he told me to sign up to speak at the conference. They're going to have four people lead 20 minute sessions. And so I started putting this stuff together. I actually didn't get it all finished. It was the day it was due. Chaos was ensuing at my house. And that evening I got to start working on it. I literally worked on it till four in the morning to put my proposal together, to turn in, to speak. 
But I was like, I'm doing this. God told me to do it. I look at the website. It's like, these were due by 4 p.m. Eastern. And I'm like, it's <laughs> in the morning. I can't even ever stay up. My kids will tell you, I go to bed at like 10. Like it's so early. But, uh, you know, I'm like, well, I'm just, if, if they'll let me turn it in, I'm going to turn it in because, you know, God said sure. to do this. He can make a way. He can change the nature of people. But what we have a tendency to do is look at what's probable, what's realistic, all of these things. And so I turned it in and I ended up being one of the finalists. Ah. And so I still don't know if I'm getting to speak in a couple of weeks on stage or not, but here's what I know is that I need to do my part in obedience. So I have to have a plan. I need to work on the 20 minutes that of stuff. I'm I was going to say, get busy. This yeah, this way you're ready. <laughs> if I'm not, I'm, it's definitely a no, right? I hadn't heard in certain videos. And so, but what they're also doing is giving other speaking opportunities now on different platforms. So I just believe if I do my part, then God is going to line it up and place me exactly where I'm supposed to be for his greatest glory, for his greatest glory, because somebody may need to hear my message that's in a different spot. And so if I don't get to go up on stage and I did my very best, I don't need to feel bad about myself because the truth is, I, I it's so ironic, I get to introduce the um, speaker coach. Roddy, but I have struggled with speaking because I couldn't be vulnerable before because I was this perfectionist. So I couldn't even share anything. I would only go up on stage and share success. So it's only been like a short time that I could even share vulnerable things. And so, but if it's like, we have to put ourselves out there yeah. and then just believe that like God is making everything work out. So when things don't work out, it's okay. It doesn't mean that you failed. It just means that there's a better path for you right now. You might come back to this path. So it's not a failure. It's just a step towards the direction. And when we see it that way, then we're not, we're, we, can, we can take the risk because it wasn't probable. It was not probable that I would be picked in any realm. But if you're supposed and to yet be you the still, one. Right. And yet you still hit sin. Yeah. Yeah, it's not pro. Yeah, it's not you probably the book. Oh, like, I missed it. Right, right, yeah. right. It, but you, you just kept going. This, you can use this with anything. I went from not being a runner. I ended up at a K Love event one day, and it was a Fit SA event. And people are like, "Where are the runners? These people just look like me." And it's like those were the runners. And our leaders like, "Okay, well, we're just gonna wait here, and in thirty minutes, everybody will be back." And I'm like, "Well, can I run?" And that was the day I ran my first 5K because I had this inspiration and I just did it. And a few weeks later, I'd run one more 5K since then. So I wanted to see if I could run it straight through. And then a few weeks after that, I woke up and I'm like, told my husband, I'm like, I'm going to run a marathon. He's like, oh, this is the next crazy thing we're going to do. Like, yep. <laughs> so I called my cousin. I got a plan. She gave, she like showed me a plan because she's the only person I do that ran a marathon and I had to train right? I had like four and a half months to train and I ran a full marathon. I wasn't a runner. I would tell you, I'm not a runner. Like I'm not a runner, but it just goes to show if we act on the inspiration when we're given it, we commit, we make a plan and we take action on it. We are capable of anything we will, we will want to try. Like you can do it. You don't have to be the best. Just try to get to the finish line. It's not about being number one all the time. Love, 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 and love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we talked about some courses. We talked about the book. Where are we going to find you? And I want you to spell out your name. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. So uh, <laughs> yes, you guys can actually go to Coach Mary G. 
jervich.com. So coachmaryg.com. It'll redirect you to maryjervich.com. And jervich is G-U-I-R-O-V as in Victor, I-C-H. Which is why I said spell it. Yeah, yeah, Um, You can pick up the book. It's at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart. Uh, Most places books are sold. You can get it online. And the name of the book again is? God's Not Done With You, How to Advance in Your Career and Live in Abundance. And I hope it brings you great joy in your life and lots of abundance like it has so many others. Oh my goodness. Can't wait. Can't wait. Nothing but further success. I I know we're going to be watching you and just seeing more greatness come out. Thank you again, Mary. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. It's definitely, I just wanted to mention to your viewers too. If you go to that coachmaryg.com, I have what's called a harmonizing the heart and renewing the mind force. You can actually go through a very similar process that I did to get out of the crazy headspace of not believing, not thinking straight and into more joy, peace in your life. It's all by donation. So it's a, it's a pay what you can. It's like the widow that gave two cents. You, you pay what you can. Uh, we donate all the money to, to other ministries, charities. So I would love to invite you into that course as a special gift and a way to just say, thank you for being you. Oh, how nice. How wonderful. Absolutely. I'm definitely going to check that out. And I love the pay it forward. Thank you. All right, everybody, we are approaching our one year, which is crazy insane that I'm even saying this, that, but loving every minute and tons of great things on the horizon and couldn't do it without you guys. So love the support. Thank you for listening and Spotify, go to Spotify because they started doing five-star review ratings. Let's get some numbers up there. So this way we move up a little. Always appreciate everything you guys do. Love the comments. The website, joyfoundhere.com. Any questions, suggestions, anything else you're interested in listening to, we're here. Until next time, be well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.